Hello and welcome back to the Future Work Life podcast. My name's Ollie Henderson and I'm back from holiday. And of course, the show was still running while I was away, but I've had a couple of weeks off. And I wouldn't necessarily say I felt refreshed. I'm not sure that's a feeling which comes with going on holiday with three young kids. But I do feel like I've got a slightly different perspective on things. It's always good to take a couple of weeks off work, but of course... The one thing we're faced with when we step back from holiday is the realisation that once again we've got the pressure of time constraints. And I certainly feel like that this week. It's a shame to leave it behind, but of course you have to make some sacrifices. What I do think it does, though, is put some context and perspective into what really matters. And from a work point of view, I, like many people, have a habit of saying yes to too many things. So this time I've come back from holiday and I'm reframing the issue of time constraints. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to reprioritise and It's also made me think more broadly about the idea of constraints. And I remember a conversation I had with Tim Harford on the podcast a couple of months ago where he talked about how constraints can actually drive creativity. So today's episode is a short one. It's a story Tim told about the jazz musician Keith Jarrett and how under difficult conditions, certainly from a jazz musician's point of view, he produced one of the most legendary performances in recorded jazz history. So here's Tim talking about it. As he says, if you want to hear more, there's an episode of his podcast, Cautionary Tales, about it, and he's also delivered a TED Talk on the subject. Well, the Keith Jarrett story is incredible, in a nutshell. But if people want to um, to see the story told, uh, there is an episode of Cautionary Tales about it. Um, there's also a TED Talk I give. Uh, I think it has the title, Why Frustration Makes Us More Creative. But in, in a nutshell, Jarrett is this amazing musician, jazz musician, um, brilliant pianist, incredibly creative man. At his peak in the 1970s, uh, and doing this series of concerts where he would just sit down at the piano and just play whatever came into his head, completely improvised, completely solo, uh, and they'd just be masterpieces. And one day, he shows up at Cologne, the Cologne uh, Opera House, to do a late-night concert, and it's a sellout, and the Cologne Opera House is a huge venue, so this is the largest concert that Jarrett has yet played. He's still a young man, certainly the largest solo concert he's played. And the promoter of the concert is a teenage girl called Vera Brandes, who's the youngest concert promoter in Germany, and she just loves jazz. She's just trying to get jazz concerts going, and she sort of succeeds so rapidly that she's over her head that you know this huge venue this huge star uh and there's just some there's some screw up somewhere and the wrong piano is delivered to the stage and Vera later said it was like it was a tiny piano it was like half a piano Hmm. so it was a rehearsal model it didn't it didn't have the size to resonate to fill the hall. It was too quiet, but also the pedals were sticking. It was out of tune. Uh, a lot of it sounded quite harsh and tinny, especially the upper, upper registers. And so Jared just refused to play. And he only, he only changed his mind when Vera begged him. And you can just imagine this scene of, of Jared looking at this, this teenage girl and thinking about 1400 people showing up for this late concert, they're probably going to be a little bit drunk and there's going to be no music because Jarrett doesn't want to play that piano. And just thinking about what she's going to go through and taking pity on her. And he, and he says to her, never forget only for you. And so he does this very brave thing, which is to walk out in front of this huge audience to sit down at this piano that he knows is no good. It was, I mean, it's described as unplayable. 
and to try to get something out of it. And the remarkable thing is that he doesn't just play some music and it's fine. He produces what many people regard as the finest concert of his career. And it's all on tape because his producer records the concert wanting documentary evidence of what a musical catastrophe sounds like. This is what happens to you if you don't give Keith the proper equipment. But, but it's brilliant. And, it's, and it is now. It's called the Cone Concert. You may have it. Many people have it. It's the most popular piano album ever recorded. Um, and so I just got fascinated by trying to understand why this happens. Because it happens quite a lot. Why do we have this response to disruptions? And is it, are we just now talking about a series of you know, Frankenstein and the invention of modern nutritional science and the bicycle and, oh, and this amazing jazz concert? Is this just a series of, of one-offs? Um, or is there something systematic going on? So, so that, I think, has really fascinated me for some time. What's different, of course, about the story is I used to say, oh, you know, we have life too comfortable, we don't seek out enough disruption, we should kind of, you know, we should seek out disruption to our routines and sh shake things up. But I don't give people this advice anymore because it turns out even if we don't want disruption, uh, disruption is, uh, is always on its way. <laughs> so that was Tim Harford talking about how Keith Jarrett turned constraints to his advantage to create something wholly unexpected and legendary... And that's how I'm thinking about returning to work now. So I'm going to be rethinking what I do over the next few months, perhaps spreading myself a little less thinly. And hopefully that gives you some inspiration to think similarly and also to reframe how you can use constraints to your advantage. So thanks again for listening. I'll see you here again tomorrow.